Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Welcome to week five of our series entitled 10. And by the end of this series, our desire is that you would have a better understanding of God's love as expressed in the giving of the Ten Commandments that result in life uh, as God originally intended as we learn to love and obey Him. And so today we're going to look at commandment number five, which is about honoring your mom and dad. Now, is it any coincidence that today is Father's Day? (laughs) I think sometimes you just have to shake your head or laugh and wonder, is God a God of the details? So I got a question for you. Besides cookies and flowers, what does honoring mom and dad look like to you? And uh, Sarah, do you still have the microphone? I would actually like to go around and get some feedback from the audience about what does it mean to honor mom and dad as we begin today's series on the fifth commandment. So Sarah, she's got the microphone. She's going to walk around. Dads, if, or, or kids or wives, if you would raise your hand. Uh, we'd like to just kind of get some feedback from the audience. What does that mean to you? What's an example of honoring mom and dad? Anybody want to go first? There we go, right here in the back in the middle, Sarah. If you can walk back there. Obeying your parents. Okay, great. Thank you. Anybody else? Other ideas? What does it mean to honor mom and dad? Letting them nap. Letting them nap. (laughs) How many parents appreciate that? Okay, there's another one back. No, not you. Somebody else. What does it mean to honor mom and dad? Okay, way back in the corner over here. Oh, real quick. Uh, Just to honor, to call people and spend time on the phone. I know my dad's like 75 years old and starting to get frail, Parkinson's and stuff. So it's good to call and spend some time on the phone. Not once a month, but once a week or so. Mm, that's good. Time. Time. Way back in the corner over here. Uh, making, me- <laughs> making memory in good times or in bad? Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Another idea. What does it mean to honor mom and dad? Okay, right here in the middle. To respect them and love them? Yes. I vote for her as the best answer so far. (laughs) Anybody else? Oh, very good. I think for me, it's uh, personally, it's celebrating, like celebrating the father in your life and just telling them how much you... um, they are a joy in your life and how thankful that, uh, just reminding them that for my father and I, it's, just, it's been where we're not really talking a lot, but lately it's just honoring him and celebrating him, telling him I love him, telling him how much he means to us and that he makes a big difference in our lives. So just reminding them of who they are in the family. They need to be honored that way, I think. Very good. Thank you, Robin. In the Bible, the word that is translated into honor is the word kabod. And it means to make heavy or to give due weight. And 
To honor parents means considering what they say as having weight behind it. I think we heard that from some of you here this morning. Being able to value and to respect the things that they say. And so at the very start, I'd like to talk about seven reasons why it's important to honor our parents. And so reason number one, if for no other reason, just the simple fact that they are created in the image of God. I remember when I was a teenager, I I was kind of rebellious as a teenager, and I was probably having an attitude, and it was probably more than just my parents, but it was adults in general. And I remember an older person saying to me, Mark, you know your parents are people too, don't you? And that just had to take a minute to sink in and register. But they're people too, and they're created in the image of God, and if for no other reason than that, they deserve to be honored because of the image of God within them. Secondly, as parents, they hold a position of authority. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but when you're first born, you're completely dependent on your parents, 100%. Everything that happens to you is dependent on them. What you eat, what you wear, where you lie down, where you go, everything. And so, in a sense, you represent God to them because of the kind of sovereign power you have in relation to them as a baby. You represent God's heart. You represent a position of authority. And so it's kind of like the office of the president. Even though you may not like the president, we still respect the office, right? And so the position of parenthood is one to be honored. A third reason is we are to honor our parents out of gratitude for what they have done. I think Robin said that just a moment ago. But to, out of thankfulness, that's what, that was the word that she used, out of thankfulness for what they've done. You know, it's a lot of hard work being a parent. I remember my wife stayed home as a full-time mom, and she was filling out some form somewhere at some office, and it asked if she was employed. And she put N-A. And then she thought to herself, if I'm not employed, why am I so tired? <laughs> I mean, luckily, she's a morning person, and I'm a night person, and we would tag team. So the kids couldn't outdo us. But it's a lot of work. From morning to sunset to, 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 to the time they go to sleep, I mean, you are on call. And so we give thanks for all that they have done for us. A fifth reason And this is something that I often communicate to my daughters. Um, It's important to honor because it will actually determine the quality of your life. It will determine, for example, your future marriage. And and here's how that works. I want to explain the mechanics of it. You know, if you learn to honor at home the people that are closest to you, then that is actually training and preparation for the next generation and the next family. And so I often tell my girls, when you're looking for a partner in life, number one, the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. So that means they need to be of similar spiritual maturity. And I take that to mean more than just being a Christian. You can't have been a Christian for 20 years, and you've gone on missions trips to Myanmar and Pohnpei, and then this good-looking guy came to know Christ last week. 
Just because he's a Christian, that's not necessarily equally yoked. You need to be of similar spiritual maturity. And the reason for that is, do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is that uh, kind of harness that uh, an animal would wear when they pulled the plow. And in the old days, in an agricultural society, sometimes you would have a double yoke. And you would have one where you could hook up two animals to the plow. And a smart farmer, he would not put a large ox with a small ox because the large ox would be pulling all of the weight. And the smaller one would just walk in his shadow, just kind of trotting down the field. You want to put two animals of equal weight that can share the load to pull the plow. Similarly, in family, as I just said earlier, there's work, right? And you want people who are of similar maturity to be able to share the load of carrying the family. If you have one that's like a giant and another who's smaller in stature, the one who's bigger is going to be pulling all the load and carrying all the weight. It won't really be a true partnership. And so the Bible says you need to be equally yoked. So that's the number one thing when I talk to them about looking for a future spouse. The second thing, second most important thing, is look for a partner who currently honors their parents. Because the way we act in primary relationships is different from the way we act in secondary relationships. Primary are those people that you hang out with every day. Secondary is the cashier at Payless that you run into on occasion. And we act differently around secondary people. When you're around primary people, it's kind of like the real self comes out. The difficulty with dating is, at the time you're dating, you're secondary. You're putting your best foot forward to show your best image, and you have all your manners. But when, you know, people told me when you get married, they said, your relationship's going to change. I said, really? How's that? I don't know. It just changes. <laughs> but later I realized they were talking about the primary, secondary thing. You know, and that happened. Once Terry and I became primary, we let our hair down, our real responses came out, and we began to act the way we do in primary relationships. So the difficulty is when you're dating, how do you know if this is the real person? Because they're putting on their best performance. The way to know is to look at the existing primary relationships they have, namely with mom and dad. So my daughter was hanging out with this guy, and I said, how does he treat his parents? She said, actually, I think he likes them. <laughs> I said, that's good. <laughs> that's good. And so if they honor their current primary relationships, then later when you become primary, they will honor you. If they're acting all nice to you and taking you out and rolling out the red carpet and bad-mouthing mom and dad, guess what? After you get married and you become primary, what are they going to do with you? It's going to repeat. So that's the second most important thing is to honor mom and dad because it will actually determine the quality of your life such things as the quality of your marriage and the, and the quality of your family. So another good reason to learn to honor. Lastly, or not lastly, second to the last, is learning to honor reflects your relationship with God. Remember in a previous message in this series, I said that the first set of commandments, I actually said five, it's four. The first four commandments are about your relationship with God. The second six are about your relationship with people. And it's no coincidence that the two go together. Jesus said it when he said, love God and love people. How you treat people reflects your relationship with God. And how what your relationship with God is like is reflected in how you treat people. 
So it reflects your relationship with God. And then lastly, number seven, the reason we honor is because honor comes from who God is. Honor comes from God himself. God is an honoring God. God's kingdom is a kingdom of honor. That's why we have it as the very first statement in the vision of our church. We exist to honor God. That's what his kingdom is all about. Do you know that God honors people? The simple fact that he gave you free will and allows you to choose shows that God honors you. He honors your choices. Here's another example. Why did God come to earth in the form of a man? Why did he die on the cross? Who did he come for? This was the greatest demonstration of honor that you can ever think of. And that just blows my mind. You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, God honored us. God is a God of honor. And therefore, he says, honor one another, because we are to represent his heart. So where do we learn honor? Well, simple question. Who are the first people that you ever meet in life? Your parents. They're the very first people you ever met, and that's where the learning starts. When you learn to honor at home, then life will go well with you. So let me contrast it with the opposite. What happens if we don't honor? If we don't learn the lesson at home, what happens? Well, we we grow up, uh, we go to school, and we run into the janitor at school, and he says, hey, don't throw your Coke can on the ground. And if you haven't learned to honor authority, what do you do? Hey, leave me alone. And so then you're in the classroom, and the teacher says, everybody, it's time to sit down. And this person hasn't learned to honor authority, so they keep wandering around in the classroom, disrupting other students. And they continue to do that, and the teacher sends them to the principal's office. And the principal counsels them, and they don't listen to the principal. And they haven't learned to honor, and so they have problems in relationships, and they get into fights in school. And then after so many fights in school, they say, okay, well, we have a special school for you. It's called PACE, Planned Alternative Center for Education, which is where they send all the kids that have been suspended three times or more for remedial training. Down in Santa Rita, special school. My wife used to work there. And really sad story about what can happen when we have not learned the lesson of honoring authority. You know, the six years that Terry taught down at pace. I I just asked her this yesterday. I asked her to confirm the number. She said 14 of her students died violent deaths. She would interview the families when they came in to bring their kids. These kids were so disrespectful, they would cuss out their parents right there in the office in front of the school staff. And it was just like, wow, just unbelievable. And the Bible says that, you know, when we honor, life will go well with us and we'll live long. The opposite is also true. You know, the Ten Commandments are not just nice moral platitudes. God is interested in protecting our lives. Now, I know that example at Pace was an extreme example. It's not always a matter of death. Most of the time, it's just about quality of life. For example, let's say your parents talk to you about the importance of saving money. And if you honor them, that is, if you give weight if you give 
respect, if you consider seriously the things that they say, chances are you'll put into practice the discipline of saving money. But if you don't give any weight to it, if you don't honor what they say, you probably won't practice the discipline of saving money. So honoring their advice, life goes well. You don't honor their advice, life doesn't go well. God calls us to honor our parents because he loves us, and he knows that if we follow his ways, we will be blessed. And if you violate these realities, life will not go well with you. It's like gravity. I mean, hopefully after a few incidences, a few bumps and scrapes, you learn to respect gravity. But many are blind to these spiritual realities called the Ten Commandments. Most people hear about the Ten Commandments, but you know what they really hear in their mind? The interpretation is the Ten Recommendations, or these are the Ten Options, or these are the Ten Considerations. Church, these are the Ten Realities, and you can't break them any more than you can break gravity. But without knowing this, many of us have broken relationships because we're not aware and because we didn't apply what God has said. If we only knew, if we had only taken God's word to heart, life would be better. In week one, Armin so insightfully said, the Ten Commandments were for the purpose of preserving Israel. God is watching out for us. What is the purpose of honor? God's word says when you honor, life will go well with you. When you honor, life will go well with you. It's actually a sign of God's love for you. It's a sign of God's love for you. The whole purpose of this series is so that you would have a better understanding, a better picture of God's love as expressed in the giving of his Ten Commandments that result in life as we learn to love and obey him. I'd like to shorten that whole thing just to that highlighted part in the middle. Here's the purpose of the series, to get a better picture of God's love, to get a better picture of God's love. So what is the starting point of honor? And this is so important. Here's the starting point. God's love is where it all starts. God's love is where it all starts. When you experience his love, then a godly life will develop. When you experience God's love, then a godly life will develop. You know, we often think that a godly life will develop as a result of spiritual disciplines and perseverance. In other words, it begins with me and my effort. But God's ways are not our ways. The Lord says, my ways are higher than your ways. And so let me share with you the biblical pattern of how we begin living a life that honors God and honors people. It starts with John chapter 19. You, you read the chapter. It's about the crucifixion of Jesus. And the very last words that Jesus says when he's hanging on the cross, he says, it is finished. It's finished. So what is it that's finished? Those are his last words. The very first words of Jesus recorded in the Bible are when he's a little boy and his parents find him in the temple and he says, did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? And so that's what got finished at the cross. He finished the father's business. And so that's, that's the starting point. That's where we begin. Jesus did it all. He accomplished everything for our salvation. 
Now it's a matter of unpacking that salvation package and walking in it. So John chapter 19, he's crucified. John chapter 20, he appears to the disciples who are hiding in a room. And the Bible says he just appears, like out of nowhere. Like, I don't know, went through the wall or just instantly was just there in place. And he had a new body, which is able to transcend time and matter. And so the first thing, you know, could you imagine if that was you in the room? What would you be thinking or feeling? And so he said, peace, peace be with you. So the first thing is, it is finished. Because it's finished, he can come to them and say, you can be at rest, you can be at peace. Everything's okay. Then a week later, he appears to them again on the shore. They've been fishing. You know the story. He cooks breakfast for them. And he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Meaning, in light of everything that you have seen, everything that I have done, do you see anything in me that would cause you to love me? And Peter says, of course, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, okay, then follow me. And so there's a progression there. Jesus says it's finished. He says, be at rest, be at peace because it's finished. And then he says, do you love me? Then follow me. That's what he told Peter. You love me? Then follow me. Too often what happens in our human thinking, we get, it, we get the whole process turned around backwards. We start over here. We take this position and we say, okay, come on, you people. We need to work hard. You know, you need to follow Jesus. You need to obey him. And then if you do that, then the next step is that your, your obedience shows that you love him. And if you're working hard and you're obeying him and you demonstrate that you love him, then you're going to get to a place in your walk with God where you're at rest and you're at peace because of your spiritual disciplines. And then as a result of that, one day, eventually, you're going to get to the place where you have arrived and it is finished. In church, we need to turn the process around the other way that's described in the Bible where Jesus has accomplished everything for us. And we get it backwards. But I share all of that to say this, that the starting place of learning how to honor is to know that in your relationship with Christ, you are complete. You are complete in Christ. Now, I say that, you might look at yourself and go, yeah, but you know, I just made a mistake yesterday or last week. You know, I don't feel very complete. You know what? Your action doesn't uncomplete you because it was never your action that completed you to begin with. It was the work of Christ that did that for you. Your position remains the same. You're still complete. Maybe your walk doesn't really show it yet. It doesn't look like it. But it's like when you were a baby. I mean, the way you walked in wasn't like an adult. But eventually, you had the capacity to be able to walk like an adult, and you entered into all that God has for you. And it's the same thing in your spiritual walk. You know, like a baby, you will stumble, you will fall. It won't be, you won't have the balance, you won't have the agility, you won't have the strength that an adult has. But eventually God's going to bring you to that place where you do have speed, you do have agility, you do have strength in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So we, before we go any further, we need to know that you're complete in Christ. So having said that, now we can talk about how do I practice honoring my parents? How do I practice 
honoring my parents. And this can be especially difficult. What if you have parents that are dishonorable? How do I practice honoring somebody that's dishonorable? I want to share with you what I call a response chart. Um, We all get hurt in life. We all experience pain. We all get offended. In fact, Jesus said, offense will come. The question isn't whether or not we get offended. The question isn't whether or not we get hurt. The real issue is not what happened to us. The real question is, how did you respond to what happened to you? You can have two people, identical twins, grow up in the same socioeconomic situation and have different responses in life and grow up to be two totally different adults and have two different experiences, depending on whether or not they responded with bitterness and anger or forgiveness and grace. So that's the question. How did you respond? So the next one, it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond that forms your life. And basically, there are two responses that people have. When we get hurt or when we get offended, we either can forgive or we can judge and we're angry. Those are the two basic responses that we have. I want to talk about the right way and the wrong way to honor. So first, the wrong way. There's there's kind kind of a worldly way or a human way or a fleshly way that we try to honor parents because most of us love our mom and dad and we want to respect them. We want to honor them. It's just we don't have the tools to know how to deal with the stuff that we experience in the home. And so what do we do? Well, out of sin and out of ignorance... We often try to honor them simply by suppressing the things that happen to us. That's our way of kind of resolving bitterness is just to kind of push it down and sweep it under the rug and let's not talk about it. And when we do this, we, we do this in all kinds of ways. We can minimize, you know, what our parents did. We can say, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. We can justify what our parents did. You know, we can say, well, you know, I understand they were young. They were having their own struggles. I can understand why they were experiencing the stress that they experienced. And so we can justify. We can offer understanding without accountability. You know, I, I know how my grandfather treated my dad. I know why he is the way he is. I understand him. I get it. I get it. And so we offer understanding. The problem is when we do that without accountability. We just kind of let it go as if it's okay. Or we could even blame ourselves. Now, this is a true story. I knew a guy who his dad, you know, when his dad would discipline him, he'd lock him in a room and he'd thrash him around the room and bang his head against the wall. Now this person's a grown adult. How does he, how does he resolve that? He's a Christian. He's wanting to walk with God. He wants to honor his parents. What does he do? He's, he concludes, it was my fault. I was a bad boy. I deserved it. And so that's one way, is we can blame ourselves. Another one is rationalizing that the treatment was normal. Well, you know, what family's, not, what, what family's perfect? Everybody's got problems, right? It's normal. We do that by ignoring how different our home is from perhaps healthier homes. Another example is we just could plain forget You know, just remember the good old days. Or we could convince ourselves, it doesn't hurt. It's not that bad. I'm okay. I don't have any problems. I've moved on. 
All of these are what you call forms of denial. They're lies. And lies cannot honor. Eventually, lies will cause things to fall apart. You know, it could look nice on the surface, but underneath, things are not really good. Real honor begins when we bring these false ways of honoring to the cross. You know, when we repent of false honor, we discover the real hurt and the pain that lies underneath. Behind all the ways that we justified what happened to us, underneath there can be hidden anger and grief. And that can eventually surface. Eventually we discover the magnitude of what our parents did to us. And it's at this point how, how it's so important to understand God's solution. I've been talking, everything, everything I've been talking about is about man's solution. This is how we handle the problems. But God has a different solution. It's called forgiveness. You know, in the world, you can't really go to dealing with guilt because there's no solution. There's no answer for it. There's no resolution. But in God's kingdom, there is a place. Guilt is the half step to freedom. Because there is a way to resolve it, God has provided the way through forgiveness. I want to talk a moment about what is forgiveness because this is a very key step in being able to honor our parents. To, to be honest about what happened and to forgive our parents is the way to honor them. To sweep it under the rug and pretend it didn't happen is not honoring. But when we can sincerely in our hearts before God say, you know what, God, I forgive them. I do. Then you honor your parents in doing that. Because, well, here's the deal. It has to do with what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is giving up the right to make them pay for what they did. It's giving up the right to make them pay for what they did. And there are many ways that we make people pay, right? I mean, what are some ways we make people pay? Maybe we slam cupboard doors, slam the car door, raise our voice, throw silent treatment, turn over in bed the other way, couples. We're being nice so far. Those are mild, right? I mean, there's, there's worse stuff that happens out there in the world. Fights, legal fights, divorce, and in the worst case scenario, many murders have been motivated out of unforgiveness. This is the reality of what unforgiveness does. And these are the ways that we make people pay for what they did to us. So when you forgive, what that means is you're saying before God, Lord, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. They might be keeping records and making lists of things that you did. You know, when you forgive, you're saying, Lord, I'm not going to do that anymore. Burn that list. Throw it away. Flush it. And so over here, we're at this place of talking about what is forgiveness. And you know what? That's a hard thing to do. It really, it's a very hard thing to do. In fact, I would go a step further and say it's impossible apart from God. Unless God is at work and has allowed you to experience his forgiveness, you don't have any to share. You can't do it apart from him. You can't give something you don't have. You know, if you came up to me and said, Pastor Mark, can I have $100? Well, it doesn't matter what I would like to do. It all depends on whether or not I actually have $100 in my pocket. If I don't have it, I can't give it to you. You know, and if, if you need to forgive somebody, you can only do that if you have forgiveness. 
If you've experienced forgiveness for yourself, then you can share it with others. So, it's so important to forgive. It's the way to get free from all the worldly responses that we can have. And those create division, they create distance, relational distance, they break relationships. But over here, forgiveness will bring healing and restoration and peace within your heart. And just a quick note, because this happens so many times. People ask me, do I need to trust that person again? Well, forgiveness and trust are not the same. If a person has a problem with stealing, I can forgive him, but I don't need to invite him to my house for dinner. Okay, but that's different. You can forgive somebody, yet not necessarily trust them until they prove trustworthiness. That would be restoration. That would be reconciliation. That's a couple steps down the road. That's another message. But I want you to know that's different from forgiveness. Forgiveness is just between you and God. In the privacy of your heart, between you and God, you don't even have to tell the other person. In fact, I would recommend you don't tell the other person. (laughs) Because if you tell them, it could backfire. Oh, by the way, Dad, I just want you to know I forgive you. You what? (laughs) Forgive me for what? You were the one, you know, and then here we go. You just kicked a hornet's nest. So the only time it would be appropriate to express forgiveness is if a parent came to you and said, you know what, God's been speaking to me, and I realized I made some mistakes when you were younger, and I I realized I hurt you. I am so sorry. When you hear that, that's the time to say, you know what, I've been thinking about praying about this. Yes, I do forgive you. Then it's right, and there's a place for it to land, and it brings healing. You have to use some wisdom in being able to express forgiveness. I also want to talk about how is honor completed. It's not enough just to forgive. The Bible doesn't say, stop dishonoring your parents. That's not the commandment. The commandment is, honor your parents. That's a positive. This one is stopping a negative. This one is doing a positive. And so, how is honor completed? This requires the resurrection side of healing. We bring the old things to death, but then we have to bring a new response to life. To bring a new response to life. And before you can do that, you have to experience honor yourself. You have to let God, you just have to be in your relationship with God, let him reparent you. And develop a relationship with God where you, when you come to experience his love and the fact that he honors you. Amen? Amen. One last note and then we'll land the plane. I want to talk about something very important. As you work through the process of forgiveness and learning to honor, there's a step after that. Remember, it's not a, it, the Bible doesn't say just don't dishonor your parents. It says honor your parents. And so what does that look like? I want to share with you something called reprofiling your parents. You know, once you begin to, you know, when, when, we're, when we're over here and we're upset, you know, th- this is how we see life. It's like when I was little, I concluded my dad was mean. And so now it doesn't matter anything that he does. It's like I see him with a certain tint in the lens of my view. 
Or maybe I concluded, you know what? Mom's all about money all the time. She just cares about money more than us kids. And so then that's how I begin to see her. I see her through that lens. But you know, when you forgive, it's taking off the lens. It's saying that's not their identity. That's not their image. That's not who they are. And Lord, would you show me who they really are? Let me see your image in them. What are their strengths? What are their qualities? What is, what is the, the character of their heart that represents you? Because it's there. Remember, I started off the message. They are created in the image of God. And so there is an image of God there that God wants to redeem and restore. And he wants to give us his eyes to see the gold and the nuggets that are in them. When you do that, you can begin to appreciate your parents for who they are. You'll begin to see qualities and characteristics in them you could never see before. It's, it's always been there. It's just that I had my glasses on. And take the glasses off. Say, Lord, give me your eyes and help me see. And then you will be able to, it was Robin who said it, thank them for who they really are. Appreciate them for who they are. That's reprofiling your parents. As we do that, then we come into a place of truly honoring our parents. Amen? Amen. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you've given us, Lord, keys to life. Lord, keys to be able to experience an abundant life. Lord, I thank you. that you've given us keys that would lead to a long life and a life that goes well. And Lord, I pray that by the working of your Spirit in our hearts, that you would give us the ability to be able to apply it. Lord, give us the wisdom to be practical, to be real, to have your timing, to be able to be the living word. Lord, to represent your heart. I thank you, God, that as we do, that this is the first commandment with the promise. And Lord, I thank you for the promise and for the hope that we have in you. And if you would just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to invite you to take a moment just to ask the Lord God, what are you saying to me? How does this apply in my life? So just in the privacy of your heart, in the quietness of your personal space. Just ask God, God, how do you want me to take this? What do you want me to do with this? I want to give you a minute just to respond to him. We'll just take our time. him, let him speak to you, and you talk to him. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing here today. Lord, you see each heart and each response. Father, I ask that you would Bring it to pass, each heart's desire to experience you and your way in life. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, 
There may be some of you here today as I'm talking about God. This is something you've been thinking about too. You've been thinking about him. In fact, the reason you're here today is because God is doing something in your life. And you didn't come here just to do the church thing, but you came here to seek God himself. And if, if that describes you, if you sense God's been trying to get your attention, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him. If you've never made a formal decision to invite God into your life, if you've never made that conscious choice to say, God, I'm opening my life to you, I want to give you a chance to do that today. It's real simple. You just have to make a decision and then express your heart to God. We're going to do that by praying. I'll pray out loud, and you can just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. Let's pray. God, I'm here today, and I'm making a choice to come to you by opening my heart and mind. And I'm saying, God, I want to experience you. And so I'm opening up and asking you to come into my life by your spirit. Would you come and dwell within me? And I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me from all the things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or other people. Lord, you know what those things are. I thank you for Jesus and his death on the cross, and I receive your forgiveness. I receive Jesus into my life, and I ask that you would give me a new start. Lord, I ask that you would reveal yourself and show yourself to me. I pray that you would show me how to live life your way. And I ask this in Jesus' name.